Welcome to the Open House Podcast with James Tatum. This podcast is about conversations that we have in the gym. Everything from training methods, technique, massage, and other odd topics that come up. So make sure you subscribe and uh, hope you enjoy. This morning, we've got Tyree here. What's up, Tyree? This is the earliest podcast we've ever recorded. So I think this is an appropriate drink now. Yeah, man. It really is the earliest one, huh? Um, that's how you know we're back to mornings is when you uh, start opening up the things. Yep. Uh, I will say that uh, after last week, I bought a uh, case of uh, sparkling water. It was uh, plum flavored. I am, um, hmm. you know, I was just kind of curious, but it was actually pretty good. Whenever I see a strange flavor, not that plum is strange. I don't think I've had a plum one, though. But whenever I see a different flavor, I'll just go ahead and try them. I've had a bunch of strange flavors. Anyone I can find, I'll just try them. Yeah, sometimes those strange ones are uh, good. Uh, So George is going to be here any minute, I think. He's running a little bit late. But um, speaking of strange flavors, he likes Gatorade, the cucumber flavor. Oh, the cucumber Gatorade, yeah. Here comes George right now. We're just talking about your cucumber-flavored Gatorade. Oh, that's the best. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not against it, but that's not the one I'm going to pick. I'm telling you, on a hot summer day, nothing hydrates the same. Cucumber Gatorade. All right. I mean, I can't act like I have water. Yeah. Again, cucumber water isn't something that I'm going to pick, though. I'll drink it. Same way I do the Gatorade. Like, the Gatorade is not bad. I'll drink it whenever it's there. That's just not the one that I'm going to look for if I'm at Walmart. (laughs) That's just not the one I'm going for. Yeah, I've had it before, and I didn't like it. I feel like it doesn't have as uh, sugary taste as the other Gatorades. It's got the same amount of sugar. It just doesn't taste as sugary. You know I like the sugar taste and stuff. Come on now. Yeah, it's it's poor use of sugar. That's what I just heard. <laughs> we, we're athletes. We need those carbohydrates uh, to replenish. I guess if you're just drinking it like throughout the day, but if you're active, man, I like I like having some carbohydrates. Gets uh, gets the body fueled. Yeah, no, I now that I'm in class again, and I'm having to bring food, so I, I just put two rice cakes two protein bars in my bag class really isn't that long but i just know i'm gonna want it i'm normally constantly eating in class we had a class last night um it's a later class it's seven to ten and i mean it's half of them are the same people i classes with last year so i walked in with just a protein bar in my bag and as soon as i walked in like oh no food today I would normally walk in with Chipotle or Subway or something because I would always come from coaching at the high school, grab food next door, and then come up. So, yeah, we, we need to eat a lot, a lot of carbs often. Yeah, 7 to 10. Yeah, I'd get hungry during that class. Yep. It makes you think about whether you want to bring a bang or not, but it's so late that it's just a bad idea. I can normally sleep, but I don't want to – I don't want to drink a bang at 8.30 p.m. Granted, one yeah, of the guys sure did. <laughs> one of the guys walked in with one. And I was like, that's a, that's a risky move. That's a risky move. 
I got to get like a cooler or lunchbox or something. I didn't think about it. I'm going to have to take all my meals with me starting next mm-hmm. week. Yep. Yeah. Back to school. <laughs> one more year. Yeah. I got one more year. And then I'm and actually then, uh, done for life. Making the kids lunches every morning. I'm done with that school stuff, but... <laughs> You know, oh, my yeah. kids have uh, peanut allergies, so they can't have peanut butter and jelly. Really? Not my kids don't, but somebody in their classroom does. Oh. So like now, like the whole classroom can't have peanut butter. That's wild. I never so, actually yeah. had anybody in my class that had. Oh, no, I did. But we were old enough to where he was kind of an idiot for this. So we were like junior seniors in high school. So this was 100% his fault. And you know, when you're in school and somebody has food and they just want like everybody just start sharing it. Some girl had peanuts, and as soon as the teacher turned around, everybody would look at her. She's just like lobbing peanuts into everybody's mouth across the room. So this kid's like, oh, me next. Mm. Lobbed a peanut, and he caught it, and then started freaking out and spitting on the floor and ran out of the room. We're like, what just happened? I'm allergic to peanuts. Okay, so... Let's start with like, don't start asking for stuff when you don't know what it is, especially when you're allergic to things. And when you're 17, you should know better. But that was, that's the only time I've ever ran into a peanut allergy while in school. Yeah, that was a pretty dumb move. It's a good life lesson for him though, huh? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> this time it was peanuts. It could have been heroin. Who knows? So ask before you just take things from people. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> lesson for college. You get out there and you go to the party yeah. and you make sure somebody doesn't accidentally throw some heroin in your mouth. <laughs> <It happens. laughs> That's how it works, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for real, I mean, that's that whole like spike and drink thing. You know, people got to watch out for where they put the drinks and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah never, I was never pretty enough. Nobody ever wanted to spike my drink. Um, but... You gotta watch out. That, that beer, James. That beer. That's a nice beer you got, though. You know, I was in college, and uh, I was. Uh, I had a teacher who was a. Uh, he was a PE, and he was a uh, like a education teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, this man starts this classroom out, and he's an older guy, and he's he was probably like sixty five. Kind of starts out on a serious note. And uh, I think somebody walked in with some like crazy hair, like long hair and crazy, like patchy beard or something. Because then he starts this lecture about like being professional in the workplace and not having beards. And the whole time he's just like, you shouldn't have a beard if you're a teacher. You need to set a good example. Like you can't be doing this. And I'm over here. This motherfucker's targeting me. Right. Right. <laughs> got a beard. How old and was then, he? Uh, he was like 65 and okay. he was talking yeah. about just like in the classroom. And then at the very end of the classroom, I guess he like realized that I had a beard. I must've been making a face. And he was like, well, except you, James, you got a nice looking beard. I would support that beard. <laughs> and then I realized that he was like straight up targeting one of these other guys in the classroom <laughs> like, oh, that had man. just like a, a college patchy beard and was going so- in to be a teacher. This makes sense. Yeah, he, he was 65 15 years ago. So he was from way back in the day. I remember there was one time at Dang, 15 what, years ago. 
You're not that far off. That's pretty close. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know how far I am, and I'm I'm almost at 10 years, and you got me by a couple. It was auto bail. So it's a bunch of high school kids and early college kids working there. The car wash auto bail. And we had a meeting once. And the manager was like, all right, guys, we need to fix this. And I'm working there with my best friend, James Wynn. So we're sitting there. And he goes around the room. He's like, I know all you guys are trying to grow beards and try to be men. But if you can't grow a good beard that you can line up, shave it off. And then he looked at James. He's like, look at James. That's not a beard. It looks like he's got ants running down his chin. <laughs> and we lost Dang, it. I remember man. The whole room <laughs> lost it. Like, oh, man. James was trying. And it was going to fill in at some point. Well, here we are. Six years later, and he just made just shaved it all off. There's none of that anymore. <laughs> he just gave up on it. You got to get one of those uh, derma rollers. That's how you get the beard to grow. You get the derma roller with the, um, like this uh, biotin caffeine, like mixed spray. And then after you roll over the skin, you got to apply that. And it helps wake up the dormant hairs. Mine mm. sure as hell are dormant. Mine sure as hell are dormant. I've been able to grow a beard in my life. Yeah, you know what? I uh, I think I've seen that. Uh, but I also pretty much just ignore all those things because I get a lot of advertisements for like uh, hair growth stuff and like Rogaine. Uh, like they uh, they have their targeted market. So I usually just ignore it. I'm just accepted the fact that uh, at the top of my head is bald. Um, but I don't need anything more growing on my face. That's enough. Yeah, it worked out for me because I had this weird patch from where... And the army would wear the helmet and have the chin strap that would go around the chin. Mm-hmm. And I had a spot right there at the chin where the strap would sit that would not grow in no matter what. Like I could not get it to grow. And I used that derma roller and they started to come in. Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, I never thought of that, but like just like the friction thing. And you got that. We're talking about old men. You're talking about that guy, the teacher that was 65. Uh, my dad used to always wear high socks. And he did not have hair where those socks were. Uh, the rest of the hair was there. And it was just, you probably could have used the derma roller if he wanted to <laughs> wake up those dormant leg hairs. But uh, now I think I just think about the definitely like an old man look. Yeah. Like your hairline stops because you always wear those high socks. <laughs> did he also have like the drastic tan line from the sock? No hair, drastic tan line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I walked into the coach the high school the other day, and I was wearing a shirt with no sleeves. And one of the girls' basketball players looked at me and said, Hey, coach, is that a golf tan line I see on your arm? It's like, yeah. Yes, it was. I was out there for five hours. You're right. That That's exactly what it was. Didn't even notice until she said it. Like, oh, oh yeah. that's why Tyree hasn't been pushing training. He's been golfing for five hours. Hey, hey it was a charity event. It was a charity event, so it was. A, it was a good. We, I mean, we didn't do well, but yeah, it was a. It was a charity event. That's why your hip is tight. You're swinging the same way all day for five hours straight. <laughs> hey, my ad. Uh, well, you might have a point there. You might have a point there. 
You got to learn to golf both ways. That way you can stay balanced as a weightlifter. That's expensive as hell, George. I can't get two sets of clubs. Brenda said, you don't have to hit the ball. Just swing the other way. <laughs> <laughs> you be looking like a crazy man out there. Right. <laughs> Once I finally get the ball off, go ahead and turn the other way, take a few swings there, and then walk up to it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the things you have to do to stay balanced. Yeah, people will be thinking you're crazy OCD. Well, a balance is important. Balance is important. Next, next thing you know, Tyree is going to be on the podcast arguing that golf is good GPP for weightlifting. Hey, hey, well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's the walking. It's it's the walking. I remember. So Amanda always wants to go outside and just do absolutely nothing. It's not even like she has anything in mind she wants to do. She just wants to go outside and just bake in the sun. So I was going, I wanted to go golfing one day. And I was like, all right, you want to just go outside? Let's go golfing. And then she was with me like, oh, okay, yeah. Because she just wanted to walk around anyway. She's like, sure, I'll go walk around. That seems like a good idea. And then I said it at the gym, and the guy I normally go golfing with, he was like, hey, I'll go today too. So me and him are actually golfing. And Amanda, she planned to golf. And then after like hole three, she was like, I'm really bad. Screw this. You guys keep playing. And then it was about whole six. She was like, it's hot. It's a lot of walking. And we have carts. It's not even like we're walking the whole course. It's like, it's hot. It's a lot of walking. I'm like, well, you know, this is what it's like to be outside. It, apparently golfing is taxing on the body. It is. I mean, that's why it's a good lifelong sport. You just get out there and you start walking, staying active. You know, you can go as slow as you want, as fast as you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could focus on the technique. It's like doing barbell work. Yes, it really is. It really is like doing a bunch of barbell work. Which is probably why I like it. It's probably why I like it. Because I like the light weeks when we really don't have to. Like this week, oh, I love it. I love the light weeks. I just want everything to feel good. The hang snatch, which I'm terrible at, felt really good yesterday. Everything is smooth. These are my favorite weeks. I was just thinking I need a pre-workout that this week is not getting me fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you would feel that way. Yeah, no. It's, George, I'm old and run down. I like this slow week. These slow weeks make you feel good. You remember like, oh, I do know how to move. Oh, nothing hurts. We're getting our body back and ready. This is great. And then when it's time okay. to pick it up like it is on Saturday, we're going to pick it up on Saturday. It's actually we'll supposed to be a fast week, but it's a well, light week. Move fast. You don't want to move slow. I don't want to move slow with my 65% snatch. So, yes. Yeah. It, it, it just, it, it feels so good. It, it, this is nice. Yeah, you need that recharge. It helps. You know, I was talking to, I saw something. This might be an interesting thing to talk about is uh, when do you actually need a deload? And some people were talking uh, and they made a good point and they said, if you're not doing that much, you don't need to deload. Like if you're training like two or three times a week and you're like a beginner, like there's no point in deloading. Um, so I had a conversation that was similar to this with one of the girls on the West Virginia team. 
Amy. And it, she said something that made me think about something you had said. Um, because so to give you a gauge of like what type of athlete she is, she's, uh, she weighs about 69 kilos now. Um, she back squats 126, snatches 55, clean and jerks 68 or 69. So like that's about where she is. She's been doing it for a few years. Um, and, and like she's recently PR'd her clean and jerk. So her numbers are going up, but she was talking about tapering and she said she feels better when she doesn't. It's like, I, I don't feel like I really need it. I always feel like every time I actually taper for a meet that I do worse, I'd rather just go straight through it because I normally PR in the middle of my cycle. And I I was thinking about, I, I don't remember who it was. There was somebody at How that we were talking about how, it was one of the like new, new people. Amy has more experience than that, but it was one of the newer people. And you're like, yeah, they're just going to lose more than they're actually going to gain because they haven't built up that much. And I'm, Granted, she has a higher training age than the people that we were talking about, but it made me think about that. Like, how far down the line do you need to be until you actually need to take a step back? Yeah, I think it does come into a lot of individuality. Uh, and I think there is a little bit of gender differences there, too. Uh, so, like, for example, the old, like, Chinese uh, women's team, you know, they would be doing crazy volume. They'd be doing like heavy triples, like the in day the of the, they would do be yeah in the back room. They'd be doing heavy triples. I've heard Bud Charnaga talk about that before, um, but they would just do more volume closer up to competition. You know, whether like the reason behind it is maybe it just keeps, you know, the technique fresh and maybe it keeps the muscles more, um, I don't know, more I don't know the exact right word, maybe more full. Um, and maybe it keeps the rhythm right for them. Um, but I do think that women can do better with a higher volume taper. Mm -hmm. Um, and then whether that turns into them just not tapering or not. Um, yeah, I don't think you need to be like super strict with like the traditional idea of a taper where you go down in volume and it has to be 11 days and 14 or 11 and 13 days out when you do your heavy days or, you know, you can mess around with it. Um, if somebody feels like they just need to train through, um, maybe just a different type of taper, you know, um, they still can decrease their squats a little bit, but then they can, uh, well, especially in her case with the 126 squat, but then they could still probably increase the volume of their lifts. Maybe they just need more of that practice of snatching clean and jerk close to competition um, and doing triples close to competition. Um, the When we were talking about it, when I was talking about it with her, my thought was how, I feel like I say this all the damn time, how efficient is the lifter? Because I feel like that's going to make a difference in whether that taper was beneficial for them or not. So if I have somebody who is snatching 15% of, let me not even say 15%. Yeah, let's say I have somebody who's snatching 15 to 20% of their back squat. Um, their potential is higher and their back squat strength or whatever, their absolute strength isn't what's limiting their snatch at that time. It's other things. So we can reduce fatigue, but that reduced fatigue isn't their limiting factor right now. 
So giving that individual the taper isn't going to be as beneficial as somebody else where fatigue is their limiting factor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, also what you run into there is somebody at that level. That's that's like beginner level. You're you're taking away two weeks of training. Yeah. You know that's you know you you can only take away uh, you interfere with training too much when like for that case. Snatch and clean and jerk would be so low stress that it probably wouldn't be that big of a deal for him to not even taper. Um, I will say that those Chinese women, though, are very efficient in their weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Just a and different type of taper. Her. Yeah. I yeah. mean, look, look at what you so, do for us every time. I, I always think it's interesting interesting to see because I know it's coming every time. And it's I just always wonder when it's going to switch up because George and I weigh the same same numbers, but our last month is going to be completely different before a competition. Well, not completely different. Our last two, two and a half weeks are going to be completely different. We just need different things. I like this down week. George is like, ah, I need pre-workout. Like we are different physically. Like, it's so, yeah, it doesn't have to be the same. You would think George and I, if you just looked at us on paper, would probably have the same thing, but not at all. Yeah, I think that uh, that it comes down to that. Just kind of making things a little bit more individual, using some common sense, um, thinking through stuff, or or not even just just trying something, and be like, "Wow, that did not work. Let's not do that again in the future." That's a good way to learn something. Um, do you remember yeah, how many days I get? And be like, wow, that worked so much better. Do you remember how many days yeah. I get of like absolute like pushing? Because I remember you played with it once. And then it, this was when Alex and Ben were still going. And then I started crashing and I started missing cleans at like 70%. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> I remember those. Yeah. Getting I get my work capacity. I think it was like 10 days. I think that's what it was. It was 10 days. And then after 10 days of flying high, then all of a sudden I just died off. And great, this is like at the end, like, cool, I peak and I get like 10 days and then it's not going to hang, it's not going to hang out for too long. And then I'm out. Well, it goes back to that conversation we had where like some lifters prefer to fill heavier weights more often whilst others prefer the lighter weights because they know that when the time comes, they'll be ready. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so then, a good example would be like when we're in the middle of that hard phase and like I'm just feeling heavy, heavy lift after heavy lift. My confidence is a lot higher. My positions feel a lot better. I feel more open. So then I'm able to keep that stride going. It's like I'm gaining momentum in a sense. And it's like when I when we go down to like the lighter phases again, I get into that weird transition phase. Like, oh, I'm putting too much power right here or I'm not putting enough now. And it's like it's hard for me to find that groove compared to when it's like heavier more often. My confidence is through the roof when we have a day that says snatch up to 88% and I snatch 85 to 88% and it feels really good. I don't care if I could hit 80, 80 or 97% that day. I would rather hit that 88% and have it feel like a joke than hit 97% and say, oh, that was pretty good today. I could probably do more. So then how much do you weigh the sports psychology part of when you're tapering? How much, how much do you look at that, James? 
compared to like the actual physical stuff and how somebody's body is going to respond, how much of it, how much of the psychology stuff do you think about? Uh, I would say the psychology stuff is more important than the actual physical taper. Yeah. And I think that just comes down to like an individual, um, Yeah, because that's the thing is like, if an athlete, you know, sometimes an athlete thinks they, they like, you know, I had this conversation the other day with somebody, it was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting thing. Uh, the conversation went, um, they were like, I know I can hit things in competition as long as I hit them in training. And they're like, they were kind of thinking like, yeah, I just need to go heavy in training. And then I know that I'll hit that in competition. And then I kind of went the opposite thing. I said, why would you limit yourself to only what you hit in training? You just need to change that mentality to being, it doesn't matter what I do in training. This is competition. This is when I have a taper. I have, you know, use those and just change your mentality to say like, this is an advantage. You know, you might run into the very specific case where you know, you're a Chinese female and the taper doesn't do well for you because you only did singles when you should have been doing triples. But for the most part that, you know, that's an outlier type thing. But if you change your mentality and just say, you know, it just doesn't matter what I do in training. This could have been the worst progression of training up to a competition that I've ever had, but then still hit a PR total. Um, See that speaking I've of that, been the opposite. I've always been the so opposite, but I had to change my mentality on purpose. Like, well, I mean, like I was aware that I was always the opposite. I always felt like, okay, it doesn't matter what I hit in training because when I get to a competition, I'm gonna add 10 kilos on top of both lifts. It doesn't matter because like you said, now I'm tapered. Now I got a bunch of caffeine flowing through me. Now there's a bunch of people here who I don't know. I'm gonna have a good day because now I have to. But then it was almost like it was acceptable to be really shit in training. So then I started thinking, well, you're not a different person. You have the same muscle mass in training as you do in, in competition. Like you didn't, you're, you're not a different person. If you're capable of doing it on the platform, when you have some stimulants, then you're, you're capable of doing it in training. That's why Glenn used to live stream our practices. <clears throat> Put works. the pressure on. That's what I like about the D-Lo weeks now is that um, they're more of like a speed week. So like what I was saying before, I kind of feel like sometimes during D-Lo week, it's hard to find that rhythm just because like it's a little bit lighter. So I'm maybe putting a little bit too much too much power, not enough power into the lift, but like cutting it short because it's lighter. When it's like speed week and you're going super fast, we're trying to go as fast as possible. By the time you get to those last couple sets, it's almost like the same amount of fatigue in a sense as lifting a heavy lift because you're kind of tired from just trying to go as fast as possible in a sense. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I mean, that's just a different quality that you have to do. It's almost like, uh, it's just a different quality that you're developing and they all need to be developed. You know, some take precedence closer to competition, but you know, you still need to develop that speed at 65, 70%. Um, you don't necessarily want to, prioritize 65% close to competition because that's not what you're lifting on the stage. But uh, <laughs> that is, Hopefully. that was the other part of the conversation. So uh, when we were talking, when I was talking to Amy about tapers, um, 
they had just went through a period where they were snatching and clean and jerking more than they normally do. Um, and for her, she's a strong squatter. Her numbers haven't caught up to that yet. But then she also likes squatting. So like, she, you're good at what you like. So she had just told me like, oh man, I'm getting really tired with all the snatching and clean and jerking. Like I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling like she was feeling it from doing more of the lifts. And then the next day she had three by 10 back squat, did it. And then she's like, oh, I should have went heavier. That wasn't that bad. And I was like, wait a minute. You're tired from snatching 47 kilos multiple times a week, but you were perfectly fine back squatting 95 for three by 10. She was like, well, yeah, but that was just squats. And then that's when we started talking about like, yeah, moving fast is a little different. Moving fast yeah. on the lift is a little different. It's just a different different strength quality, mm-hmm. a different stimulus. Um, you know, it's like the difference between like getting destroyed on uh, like weightlifting versus bodybuilding is kind of like the extreme. The fatigue you feel from weightlifting in general, even three by 10 is different than the fatigue that you're going to feel when you're doing a bodybuilding workout. Let's just say, um, what, what are the bodybuilding ones where they do like a tricep where they start with lunges and then they go to leg press and then they finish out with a burner on leg extension. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be a different type of fatigue the next day and the day after than weightlifting. Um, you know, you're going to feel a lot of muscular fatigue and you're going to feel like the need to eat a lot. Weightlifting is like almost like when it pushes you down, it's like you're going into like a mild depression because it's just like <laughs> neurologically yeah. just crushing. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely different. You know, I, I'm thinking about what you said at the beginning of the podcast, like how the conversations that we have in the gym. I feel like it's every week that I say, oh, I was talking about this last week. Just because I'm not in the gym with you guys. So I'm in a different gym. But these really are just the random type of conversation that you just end up having in the gym when you're sitting there with people. Yeah. Gyms are gyms. Yeah, man. Gyms, gym conversations can be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too bad that uh, like public gyms, people just go in there and put their headphones on. Um I didn't you know how many people didn't start there like that. That was my normal because I started off in gyms like that. And I had a friend who was dating a bodybuilder and he was like, all right, let's go to the gym. And she went, she had always done CrossFit. So she was used to like talking to people in class and sharing bars and stuff. And then she went with him and he was like, where are your headphones? She's like, what do you mean? I, I don't, I didn't bring any. He's like, it's okay. I have another pair. And then he gave her a pair and she was like, it's so weird. Nobody's talking. Nobody's looking at anybody. I was like, yeah, I, yeah, no. That's where I started. So being in <laughs> gym like, I another one. I don't want this bitch talking to me while I'm doing my sets. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's definitely different, but this is enjoyable. Yeah. So when I did powerlifting, I mean, we didn't talk. Uh, we did like that West Side type stuff. So it was a ton of work density. It was, uh, we didn't wear headphones either though. I mean, we didn't have wireless headphones back then. Um but we brought in one of those, uh, I, it was like a DeWalt radio because the guy that was coaching us also was like a, a construction worker. And so he just said, hey, he was a painter actually. And uh, he brought in this radio with paint splatters all over it. And we would just turn that thing up 
And uh, we wouldn't talk, but we'd yell at each other, no headphones. Um, and we wouldn't have time to talk because, you know, that West Side program is just go, go, go. But then after training, we would always talk or before training. We'd even like set up a time to talk before training. And it was usually just about gym stuff. Um, unless we were doing like forearm stuff, you know. We'd go in there, we'd get our two-a-days in, and we'd go in there, we'd do like wrist curls and bicep curls. So, you know, in a way that, I guess that counts as a two-a-day training, but I'd say the real training that I did was three times a week for one hour. But during that hour, we didn't, we didn't mess around. Like, we went hard. So I think it's important to know when to go hard and to, like, not get distracted by conversations. Mm -hmm. Um but I still do think that those conversations are important to have in gym. Um, I like the email. Yeah, it's one thing that makes awesome. it sustainable. Yeah. Um, I, I like imam days. I think those are the, those are the days where and it might just be me. I don't, I'm curious what George thinks about this, but well, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious what George thinks about this. Those 12 minute imams where it's the complexes that we've had on Saturdays. Those are the fun days. Those are the days where, you don't need headphones. You're sitting there and you're talking to somebody because it's light enough to be able to move, but it's a complex. So you, you're not, you're not just like, Oh, it's only 65%. Like you're, there's purpose behind it. It's quick. It's enjoyable. I think those days are fun. That's fun to do. Those are, that's a good mood in the gym. Yeah. I'm kind of learning like how to converse more, I guess, because I was used to training at army gyms that are kind of similar to like your gold's gym or like your, your global gym. It's where like everyone's in there with headphones in. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I'm used to being at training and just being like my own thoughts and just like, you know, going through it, not really talking much, just pedals to the metal. But then that was where I was like running into that thing of like where almost every day was Imam practice because there's no one like talking to me. So I didn't rest enough. I would just rush and go yeah. to the next set or the next set. So now it's kind of like, oh, I can talk a little bit, you know, I still do fine. I can rest a little bit longer. And then it'll help me in the long run too, like when I go to competition and maybe I have to rest a little bit longer in between attempts or et cetera. So I'm kind of like learning that piece, I feel like. I've switched. When I was at Howe, I would use headphones like every once in a while. It wasn't often at Howe. I would use them if like I had something heavy or I was just I was just in a bitchy mood or something. Then I would use headphones, but majority of the time I was at how I wouldn't use the headphones. Um, but then here at West Virginia, I use them daily. And it's just, it, it's different because they're like at how, especially back in the day, like, cool, we'll take the lift. I'm talking to LaRue and Alex in between attempts, but we're staying like close to what we're doing. Like we're not drifting off. Here, there's just there's more people, there's more beginners, and we just start talking about reckless stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with anything, and I just get out of it, and then I'm just completely yeah. Wrong. And that's why I'm like, you okay, be careful about that. right? I'll put my headphones in like during the lifts, and then like when we have pulls after, I will purposely take the headphones out because I don't just want to be a dick and keep my headphones in the whole time. But and I'm like, well, I don't want to talk to you right now and talk about the spaghetti that you had yesterday, like. I don't want to talk about that right now. Let me do the cleans. And then you can tell me about the spaghetti sauce that you had, that you found at Kroger during the pools. Yeah, that's, 
I guess that's what some people run into, probably what those bodybuilders run into at, uh, you know, public gyms, because they probably have a high turnover and you got Mm -hmm. a bunch of new people in there and they're going to be asking you about, oh, what do you do to get this big? Or why do you do bodybuilding? And they just probably Mm -hmm. get sick of it. Uh, So I could definitely see that. But yeah, that's the, the downfall of public gyms for sure. Um, but ideally if you can get into like a, you know, like if, if you're serious about it, if you can get into like a gym that doesn't have those people and that everybody in there trains seriously, that's kind of, that's a cool environment. Uh, you know, that's ideal. It's, it reminds me of those, uh, I think I saw a picture of like the old bodybuilding Arnold gyms mm-hmm. and it was like, it was a, uh, it was a picture and it was like, how gyms used to be. And it was like a bunch of people working out like the old pumping iron type gym. And then it's like how they are now. And it's just a bunch of people sitting on machines, looking at their phone. And, uh, I mean, if you can recreate that old gym where you just got a bunch of serious guys in there, just training hard, whether it's for bodybuilding or weightlifting, um, serious guys or girls, that's where like you could take advantage of that training environment. I also think it helps if you're around people that are around you. Like if, if you have one person at the gym <laughs> snatching, yeah. If you have one person at the gym snatching 160 and everybody else, they might still be serious, oh. but there's level. So you have one guy snatching 160 well, and everybody else is, yeah, everybody else is chasing 80. Then those, everybody around 80 might get along well. And that guy at 60 is different. And it's not even just because of the number or you can't share a bar. It's not even that. I do think it helped a lot that at how we had a lot of people that were around the same thing. You know, I heard a good saying, it was like always surround yourself with three types of people. Someone that's better than you, someone Mm -hmm. at the same level as you, and then someone that's like right below you in a sense so that you Mm -hmm. can chase the person that's better than you compete with the person next to you and then teach the person below you. And that's how you like truly develop your skills. Yes. I like that. Yeah. I think that's a good, uh, that's a good thing to have in a gym. So on that note, I think that is a good place to end this podcast. Have somebody below you, have somebody the same and have somebody better than you, you know, choose the people that you surround yourself with. Um, I like it. All right. Uh, we'll end this one out. George, where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you? Uh, George81KG on Instagram or at the House of Weightlifting page. All right. And Tyree? And I am Tyree underscore Thor on Instagram. All right. And check us out at houseofweightlifting.com. We got those fanny packs up. And I got mine in. It's a pretty sweet fanny pack. Um, so I think I'm like a 32, 34 waist. And I got the medium. And it just like barely fits. So, you, you know, keep keep that in mind. I might have to if you get a large if you're a, a bigger person. There's two different size fanny packs, which I've never really seen that before. But, uh, but it's a pretty nice fanny pack. Um, I think uh, you guys should get yourself a fanny pack with House of Weightlifting on it. All right, that's it. All right, talk to you guys next week.